Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert Don Pizzette, DevOps engineer Justin Dennison, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined as always by uh, the whole Technado crew. We've got Justin Dennison over there. Justin, how's it going? It's going fairly well. I'm right side up. It's still one million degrees in here. This room smells bad. Status quo. All right. <laughs> when you leave, it, it smells fine. Just, just. Uh, I don't. You know. I don't think it does. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. The stink that's in here definitely came from me, but I'll leave it behind. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Good to know. Yeah. And Daniel's up there. Daniel, how's it going? I'm good. For whatever reason, you know how my brain works. It does random things. It thought we all need cool like titles like nicknames like justin gooch fan denison mm -hmm. thought, that'd be fun yeah it's right over here it's running well. <laughs> we will work on that and then we've got the namesake of the show don Pizzette. don how's it going i am doing great really excited about this week this is the first week where i had to actively look to pick a security article because there were so many non-security things going on exciting i don't exciting. know if i believe you yeah that's a lot <laughs> yeah we'll see we're gonna hook him up to the lie detector just kidding this is all yeah. spear fishing more is like yeah. a lie detector has to Determined. That is a lie. Yeah. You guys need to stay tuned for the tech section. You won't believe number three. <laughs> Florida drivers will never believe. That's right. You're about to see. Well, we have a guest uh, today with us as well uh, who has been listening intently, uh, Mr. Ben Brennan, who is the founder and CEO of QStack. How you doing, Ben? How's it going, guys? Stoked to be here. Good, and we uh, uh, we had a great uh, little talk beforehand about all the cool guitars you have hanging on the wall behind you. So that's a lot of fun. But uh, we want to you know focus a little bit more on the uh, the technology side of things. So why don't we get to know Ben in our first segment, rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Ben, this is a five-minute segment. You have 45 seconds to a minute to answer each question. You go over that time. Peter's going to buzz you. We're going to move on. Peter's going to take our first question. All right, Ben, so I got a little confused reading about uh, QStack's history because it's uh, a product you created and, and it's the company that you're at now, but it sounds like you used QStack or the, the QStack methodology in the past. So can you explain a little bit about what QStack is exactly and how it works? Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I actually, um, QStack Inc., I guess, as a... Uh, Enterprise product. Actually, we just launched uh, in October when I left Verizon Media. But before that, we actually used a uh, prototype of it um, at uh, Box and Verizon Media. And I actually tried to use it at Twitter. And it's really thanks to Twitter that I have the company. I was working uh, IT at Twitter back when there were 300 people. And like, uh, it's like three of us on the IT team. And I was like, you know, CSAT's not very scientific. Maybe we should come up with a brand new metric that completely. Uh, is actually accurate and gives actual data so we can really know uh, the, what the customer experience is. And uh, they passed and said, no, we'll, we'll just do a CSAT survey. So when I left, I was able to make that, sign the inventions agreement. Um, yeah, and it, we had a great uh, great run of success at Box and uh, at Verizon Media and Yahoo, and now we're using it everywhere. Basically, long story short, it's a tool um, that measures the acronym Quality, Speed, Technical Knowledge, Approachability, Communication. Um, crazy research and algorithms went into it to make it actually accurate. And then it also tells you what to do to uh, improve those things so you can actually uh, have measurable success and not just kind of uh, instinctual. So you've alluded to this a little bit. Starting your own thing can be, uh, I, I know for me, I would just sweat and cry. Uh, but at some point, you knew I have to make the jump. I have to get this thing off the ground. You, you alluded to that a little bit, but was there a moment where you went, no, I just have to do this. This, this is the only thing that makes sense. 
Right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not a serial entrepreneur or one of those dudes that reads like uh, entrepreneur blogs all day. So I have spent most of the past eight months crying and, and snuggle up to myself. But uh, um, we used QStack at Box. It was 1,300 people. So um, we were able to transform the IT culture pretty quickly, like in a few uh, quarters. But then, you know, I really just used it as a tool to help me out be a good IT director. When we went to Yahoo. There was like a 20-year-old culture uh, that we had to transform. And when it worked there, I became a believer. I'm like, wow, this really has legs. And then or Yahoo got acquired by Verizon, which if you've been acquired by a huge, massive corporate overlord, you know what that does to the team. And then we took that whole team up to um, a world-class customer experience in the IT org. And after that, I was like, yeah, this definitely works. And um, I think uh, I wrote a book that a bunch of people have been passing around. And so that allows me to meet people. And when I basically asked around, they were like, yeah, dude, let's let, I want to use that too. So we wanted to make it a product and share it up. All right. Now your resume includes things like senior director of IT at Verizon Media, global IT strategy for Yahoo. Uh, you've obviously you know, built and managed large teams in IT, but your degree is in psychology. So did that come into play as far as like how you created this methodology? Oh yeah, 100%. Um, definitely. Uh, so in psychology, we learn a lot about essentially how horrible most statistics are and particularly self-report data, which is what surveys are. So when I, you know, especially when I got bigger jobs and I'm like, I'm responsible, you know, to run a huge org to support like, you know, 25,000 people. And uh, all I have is a CSAT to go for. Like it just wasn't mathematically uh, or scientifically sound enough for me to base my decisions on. And so um, we learned that, uh, you know, if you're really, really good and do tons of research and are really, um, I guess, rigid on your research and your methodology at the beginning, you actually can get good data about, um, you know, things like customer experience. But none of the tools that I found were really did the trick. So that kind of gave me the, uh, I guess, just years of grad school and years of therapy, both as a patient and as a, uh, as a practitioner, uh, you know, just taught me that, hey, you know, this is we need better data. Like as a therapist, uh, we actually invented something called life math. Um, cause I'm a math nerd where people actually used math to, um, figure out what decisions were bad and good. So I had a history of kind of creating things and, uh, QStack was the next step. Now, Ben, uh, you mentioned your book, right? It, if I'm not mistaken, it is uh, Badass IT Support. And in this book, Badass IT Support, you talk about the steps that you need to take to become badass IT support. Now in the book, Badass IT support, what would be the first step that we would want to take to achieve badassery and IT support? Well, in the book, Badass IT support, um, the, uh, so I just wanted to let, yeah. make sure we said What's that enough time? time. I thought we'd plug your book a little bit. <laughs> so I, didn't, I didn't catch what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So in the book, Badass IT support available on Amazon and other places where you buy books, even though that's the only place where you buy books. Um, yeah. We go over and basically I tell the story kind of more, I'm on the East Coast now, but more of like a kind of what it's like to be like a Bay Area, like IT support person working at hyper growth startups and, you know, dealing with the stuff. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of books called like how to run an efficient help desk or how to run a satisfactory, you know, IT improvement program. And so I thought badass IT support was a little more on brand for the kind of uh, operation that I wanted. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you want to be a badass IT support thing and you don't want to spend money on the book, which I totally understand, basically all you have to do is kind of admit that you could be doing better, which is hard for a lot of us to do. And then once you admit you can do better, just kind of resolve to do better. And if you admit you can do better and you resolve to do better, um, it's you'll come to the obvious conclusion that you should actually use, you know, real metrics and science to, uh, you know, do the right thing rather than just trusting your hunches. And that'll lead you on the right path. But uh, 
I mean, I don't know. Buy 10 copies of the book and see what works. That'd be my best <laughs> advice, to be honest. I like it. That is so badass. Um, so uh, my last question for you. So what's the uh, the lowest Q-Stack st- score that you've seen so far? And, and what could I do to make my score lower? <laughs> it would be really hard, uh, to be honest. I can't mention the company, obviously, sure. but the uh, there was a, uh, you know, it was, it was a big global company. And uh, the Detroit office was, uh, I mean, Detroit, you know, is, uh, you know, they're a tough group to begin with, but it was an unstaffed office, you know, very overlooked. And for good reason, they actually, I didn't really think that this was possible, but the QStack score technically goes from 100 to negative 100. And they got like a negative 45 or something like that. And I only remember that because I had to rush. We were about to do a presentation for the execs and I had to rush and reformat all the graphs because I hadn't accounted for what happens when you have these nice little bar graphs and then one line's way down there. So it kind of, if you can uh, picture what that's like, uh, that was my experience. But the good news is when you get a really crap score at the beginning, you're all up into the right from there and it makes you look even better. But uh, I think negative 45 was the best one. So you'd really have to pretty much murder someone to uh, to beat that, but I believe you can do it and I support that. Challenge, Challenge accepted. Yeah. You know, all I heard was sandbag at the beginning and everything. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a bad strategy though. I mean, it's, you really like once you, you can sandbag all you want, but because you know, it's quantified success, like once you see all the other offices blowing past you at some point, like your nerd competitiveness is just gonna kick in and you're gonna be like, fine. I'll do my job good, and then you go off. So that is uh, that is the first step now in the uh, second edition of Badass IT Support. I think he believes in me more than I believe in me. Put the garat down. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, let's uh, go ahead and get to our next segment uh, where we're going to actually talk tinfoil hat time. Was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? All right, so I came across an article and then I found out it was actually written by Ben. Uh, <laughs> and this is, uh, it's entitled, Are You an IT Flat Earther? It's on thinkhdi.com and uh, read through that. And so, what is the IT equivalent of being a flat earther? You know, I, I would compare it to like back in the, the Novell Netware days, there were a lot of Netware admins who didn't bother learning Windows or Linux. And they just said, no, Netware is the best and we're not going to change. And that's what we're going to use. And then most of them ended up out of jobs before too terribly long because, you know, the technology field kept moving and they didn't move with it. So that, that's what pops into my mind when I hear IT Flat Earther. And what is the truth? <laughs> well, the truth is out there. And if you can play the, X- <laughs> the uh, X-Files music out there. Um, but uh, in my opinion, uh, IT Flat Arthur, I was just trying to think of, you know, now uh, with what I do, like I do like speaking and I'm like in, basically in IT sales now. I'm talking to a bunch of CIOs. And so sometimes I'll meet with people and they'll be just have an allergy to the truth. And it's sad because like what I found with a lot of teams as far as like, um, you know, like uh, just customer experience, there's so much low hanging fruit that Usually, if you can just admit that you could do a little better and that there might be some things you don't know, uh, you know, we have huge success with these teams. But um, I mean, to literally quote one, one CIO I was talking to before, he's like, why would I want a tool that tells me more things to fix? Like, why would I want that? Uh, and um, you I guess I think, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you would think that. But also, you know, he did get paid a lot more than uh, at least I ever will. So uh, maybe the stock options made it worth that. But I think that was just to me, it was I was trying to think of an equivalent of like, Someone that, and no offense to flat earthers out there, I'm, but uh, just in theory, if that was, in theory, if the flat earth thing was wrong, um, that's what I'm comparing it to. And it's just, I think an IT flat earther is just someone that, uh, you know, 
refu refuses to use science or math to uh, to uh, actually, you know, have empirical data to make decisions by. I feel like the, the flat earth community makes up a very small but very vocal percentage of, of people out there. But the person you kind of described sounds like a lot of IT people. Do you think this is a, a big problem in the IT world? Right. And I've only been to the IT Flat Earther convention a couple of times, but I can tell you it's <laughs> widespread. Just kidding. Obviously, it's not a real thing. That's the Microsoft oh, convention. I thought it was RSA. <laughs> <laughs> RSA. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So um, it's, it's, it's going around a lot. And listen, it's not necessarily everyone's fault that thinks that way. And I even say that in the article, like, if you are a Flat Earther, don't worry. We'll talk you down and we'll get you out of it. But you basically just have to like employ some basic, basic science and really just be open to the fact that you know, you might not as a, an amazing, let's say you're an amazing sysadmin and you can like, you know, have record set for like keyboard shortcuts in Vim or something like that. You might be awesome at IT, but you might, that doesn't necessarily qualify you to have perfect empathy for everyone else in the organization. And so what this kind of does, uh, you know, that's what we made QStack for, right? To kind of, you know, bring data and make uh, basically empiricize empathy, right? Like teach people how to have empathy in a really, uh, easy way. But um, a lot of folks just are not open to new ways of thinking. And if you tell them anything different, they're, um, they're not down with it, you know, so. Uh, All right. So I, I want to run with this a little bit because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking uh, CSAT or, you know, just customer satisfaction. You, you handle a ticket for somebody and when you're done, you do the old NPS on a scale of one to 10. How likely are you to recommend the help desk? Something like that. You know, that that's a really common method for gauging somebody's satisfaction after handling a support ticket. How, how does your solution differ from that? Like, because I, I know if you ask, the, the more questions you ask a customer, the less likely they are to want to answer them. So, how, you know, what are the things that you're asking? Like, how, how is it different than just NPS? Exactly. We actually, it, we actually wanted to use NPS. Like, part of the reason that I uh, like did QStack was that NPS just didn't work for the IT support version of it. I mean, Q, uh, NPS is a really great score to tell you kind of where you rank and where you benchmark with uh, other people in your industry. Um, but what it doesn't do is tell you how to fix it. And what we had also, um, you know, when you're leaving large orgs, a lot of times you have IT managers and sometimes, I don't know if your experience in IT is like this, but a lot of times the people that get promoted to management in IT aren't necessarily the best at IT. They're just kind of the people who maybe Brown knows more or a little Stuck more. Stuck it out the longest. Or not even that good at management. <laughs> See, that, that's yeah. been my experience right there is that yeah. they were great at IT, but they were a piss poor manager. Yeah, and that's and that happens, you know. But uh, you go to war with the army you have, and not the army that you want. And so, what QStack does is actually tells you. First of all, it's more. Uh, we've done studies, so it's it's as reliable as NPS, um, much more reliable than CSAT. CSAT just if you you can do any study you want, and you can check my research or anyone else's research. It's just not a scientific measurement. It's it's cute. It it's insightful. It tells you what it is. But I mean, averaging smiley faces together or a Likert scale averaging is not a good way to codify behavior. And I could definitely talk ages about that from my psychology days. But um, so CSAT's not accurate enough. NPS is accurate, but it's not uh, prescriptive. It doesn't tell you what to do. So what uh, QStack does is actually, first of all, it breaks it up into you know quality, approachability, speed, communication to kind of give you more insight. But then for each of those, it actually tells you from your end user's point of view, what you can actually do to fix it. And so even if you have a manager that's not great at managing, you don't have to worry about his ideas or her ideas. You can actually, um, your data is actually what the people who you're supporting want. And then, so that kind of democratizes the right idea. You can use that. And even if they're a terrible manager, if they just get out of the way and let the data-driven strategy drive, 
you're good to go. And we see the scores go like that. Just to put Daniel's comments in context there, uh, Don used to be his direct manager. <laughs> um, Actually, Daniel and so, I together, we, we've got some stories. So yeah. We worked with a gentleman who uh, was like literally incapable of making decisions in under four weeks. That yes. it was just that was his time frame. <laughs> so he, he so, was so y'all worked for a corporation. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. Office space took on a whole new meaning. <laughs> yeah, like, that place looks efficient. Yeah. You're like, man, this drill could be used to fix this or like, self trepanation. We also had that big banner said, "Is this good for the company?" <laughs> I can't tell if you're joking, uh, and that's sad. So, uh, Ben, I'm curious. What is uh, what's the best way for people that want to learn more about QStack? Where do we where do we look? Um, you can go to QStack.com um, or QStack.com/demo. It's Q-S-T-A-C. If you're on the uh, audio, um, yeah, and check it out. We'll give you a demo. You can uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way. If you go to LinkedIn slash IN slash Ben Brennan, hit me up directly. I actually love just talking shop, even if it's not sales. Um, I have the luxury now of doing all strategy and I don't have to execute at all. So I'm happy to talk strategy about your company for free as long as I don't have to actually execute along with you. Um, <laughs> but if you want to talk about QStack, I'd love to help you out. People are having a lot of good success. And uh, yeah, we're really excited. It's not, you know, just bringing a little data and math and science uh, is a lot better than the flat earther lifestyle. And everyone does better, makes more money. I definitely recommend my own company. So every time you say flat, for some reason, I just imagine a rack of servers on the back of an old tortoise, just like walking along through like space. Is that wrong? Yeah. Is that not how it is? That is okay. not how it is, Peter. So, you know, Ben, before we let you go, let me ask a, a quick question. Um, what, what's your relationship with HDI? I know this article was posted on Think HDI. Well, um, uh, I think HDI, I'm kind of indebted to them forever because they're actually where I got the first research. So I didn't really... I was, you know, a social scientist before. So when I got into IT, I didn't really, and this is not a plug for them. They don't pay me anything, but uh, they were actually the first place I found that had like white papers and research about surveys and about CSAT and stuff like that. Um, Cause I knew a lot about self-report data, but I knew nothing about really IT when I started um, and definitely didn't know like the history of that. So it was actually their research that helped me kind of figure out and go, we started from like 30 categories that we wanted to measure. And like you mentioned, like it's a, you know, surveys, you do not want to take uh, many people's time. So we got it down to this 20 second mobile friendly slick survey where boom, 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 you just do five little ratings. And uh, I won't go on about the product, but HDI gave us the initial research that allowed us to really, you know, build something based on data and not our hunch or instinct. And uh, since then, I speak at their conference. Um, I, uh, they, I'm a featured contributor. That's where that article came from. And uh, yeah, they're just, they're really, Great folks, and uh, they've supported me a lot. So I like to, uh, you know, I like to give back to them whenever I can. You know, and, and for our, our listeners who aren't familiar, HDI is the Help Desk Institute. Um, I, I don't know all the history. Like they split off somehow from ITSMF years ago from service management, but they they focus on Help Desk and how you can do a better job and have the right resources and stuff. So if you work in that environment, if you're a Help Desk manager or you work in Help Desk, you can really benefit a lot from going to their site and reading articles like Ben's. I thought it was the Home Depot Institute. So thank you for clearing that up. Yep. Yep. It's just two before some plywood. Yeah, you can make a birdhouse. <laughs> but, but what's really important is... Uh, what is uh, your favorite guitar lick to play? Uh, so my favorite guitar lick to play right now is, let's see, I've been playing a lot of Grateful Dead, which isn't very licky, no. but uh, I'll say I like Tom, this is, a, this is a deep, this is a hot take, but Tom Petty's uh, Honeybee, that mm -hmm. 
Just oh, copyright laws. Don't don't, copyright. Uh, don't take <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I could only play four bars, but uh, look, look it up on Spotify. Tom Petty's Honeybee. Um, to me, it's a really sick riff and uh, accessible and easy to play. And we're from Gainesville, Florida here, so uh, the home That's of right. Tom Petty. So that that rings true for us, definitely. And uh, I, I think I heard earlier, I'm not sure, that, that there might have been a book. Um, so badass IT support available on Amazon, I think, is the only place you're legally allowed to buy books anymore. So definitely check that out. And you mentioned conferences, too. Um, do you have any coming up uh, virtual shows or anything like that that you've, uh, that you've got speaking events? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm speaking at uh, the, it, it's so weird now because they're like uh, virtual. So I'm speaking from this, I'll, I'll be in yeah, my office uh, presenting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But for the HDI uh, support world, uh, which is not in Vegas this year, but actually, I guess in my room. So uh, I'm speaking at there. I'm actually talking about a pretty cool topic, like what to do after you hit world-class uh, support. Because everyone loves to talk about world-class support. No one ever gets there. But I've been lucky enough to work with a few teams who actually have. And talking about the turn, where what do you do when you actually catch the mouse? When you actually meet your goal? Like, what do you do next? So I'm excited about that. And um, embarrassingly, there's another talk that I'm doing uh, in, a, in a couple months that I don't remember what it's called. But uh, I don't know. Look, <laughs> find me on LinkedIn, follow me, uh, and I'd love to hear from you. You've got time to prepare for it. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be great, though, I'm sure. After that talk, make sure you fill out the survey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, please do. <laughs> well, Ben, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time to join us today. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. So fun to hang out with you guys. Can't wait to see the rest of the show. Talk to you soon. Sounds good. And we're, uh, we're going to get to some news in just a second, but stay tuned. We've got more Technado coming up right after this break. Do you know what's better than being an IT Pro TV member? Being a member for free. Hi, I'm Dom Pazette, co-founder and edutainer here at IT Pro TV. Once you sign up for an IT Pro TV personal membership subscription, you'll automatically be part of our referral program. Then all you have to do is share your personal referral link and code with your friends and colleagues. Every time one signs up, you get money off your subscription. Sign up enough and your membership is free. That's right, access to all your favorite IT training, totally free. Kind of feels like stealing, doesn't it? Check out the link below to learn how to get your code and start sharing today. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Tom Pazette, and thank you so much to Ben for taking the time with us today and helping us all become a little bit more badass. Uh, we appreciate that. But we've got a lot of news to get to, and as Don said, not very security-focused, so we'll see uh, if that holds true. Our first article is from Anandtech? Anandtech, yeah. Anandtech, yeah. Okay. Uh, Intel reorganizes in wake of seven nanometer woes. Chief engineering officer... Oh, jeez. <laughs> I asked about nanometer. I said, NM, that's where it's nanometer, right? Uh, didn't didn't get to the second line. Uh, Murthy Rendachintala to it, depart. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you could have asked. None of us could have helped. Well, this reminds me of Office Space. They're like, so here, not going to work here anymore. So I don't need to learn Murthy's name because Murthy's out because of the seven nanometer woes. Is it just me or every time I see the word reorganizes and there's a large corporation, I'm like, ah, a bunch of people just got fired. Yeah, that's all that means. Yeah, reorganizes is like a nice way to say layoff, which is a nice way to say fired. Yeah. So Intel is under siege right now. Last Last year, we saw AMD really crank up the pressure on creating some great CPUs while Intel was mired in dealing with security concerns. 
this year that has continued. AMD is eating Intel's lunch left and right. You also have ARM coming in and just dominating the mobile market. Uh, for the many devices, ARM is actually doing the design of the chips that we use. But even for like Apple devices, it's the ARM instruction set that's being used. So ARM is everywhere. AMD is kicking butt on the desktop and Intel is under siege. Well, they have been t uh, just repeatedly saying, hey, as soon as our seven nanometer presses get going and we start creating these smaller processors, they'll be way more power efficient, so you don't need ARM, and you'll have full compatibility with all the past Intel processors. This is going to be their saving grace. Unfortunately, their seven nanometer process is totally botched, so bad that they had to push it back an entire year. There will be no seven nanometer processors coming out of Intel in 2021 or in 2020, and it'll probably be the end of 2021 before we see any. That is bad, bad for Intel. So uh, they fired their main chief engineering officer. So that's a big thing. They're having to revamp that whole process, and it means that if ever AMD and ARM are going to succeed, then it looks like 2020 and 2021 are going to be the years that happens. And it says they're they're breaking up the uh, technology systems architecture and client group into several smaller groups. Because well, it's about time. If I know anything, it's, you know, don't get all the people in a room. Put them yeah. all in separate rooms. <laughs> yes. And, just think, find and they all have to fight Steven Seagal. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is under siege. In a velour... <laughs> Seems like Bro. everybody would have learned from Microsoft on this one. Like when Microsoft broke everything up into teams that all started breaking apart and they had to kind of tie it all under Satya Nadella again, like he had to step in. Yeah, because you might have, you know, one team starts making them seven and a half nanometers and there's a six and three quarters. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> the around. Seven deadly nanometers. I'm yeah. not sure how any of that works, apparently. But um, so, so this is kind of just one of those things that we will keep an eye on and see maybe if somebody new steps in and tries to right the ship or if Intel just falls apart. So sell your Intel stock now and buy AMD. I think even at the end of last year when, when everything was looking bad for Intel, people still said, look, Intel has dominated the market for so long and they're not going anywhere. Now it's starting to look a little dicey. Like, you know, potentially we could see some shifts there. Intel could fall into the second place. Yeah. Just, just out of curiosity, what was botched? Were they like, hey, so, oh, man, this is broke. Or were they making six and five-eighths nanometers? And <laughs> it, it just doesn't all fit. It was up. a 10-millimeter nanometer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my understanding of it, and I'm not an engineer, is just that the failure rate was too high. So, uh, you know, when they make these, they make 100 or 1,000 at a time or whatever, and they had well over a 50% failure rate on those yields. So that makes it a non-profitable thing. They've got to get that down to a smaller number. They, they always anticipate a certain amount of failures. When, when you think about how many microtransistors are on a CPU, it's millions, right? And any one of them could fail. So it takes a lot of work. And the smaller it is, the harder it is to do. So this is a big challenge. Uh, they just weren't able to get it done in the time frame. And now their stock is falling and they're under a lot of pressure. Is Sell them for twice as much, baby. That's the way to go. <laughs> yeah. Less nanometers, more profit. Is that... A Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that part of AMD's proposition? Like they did some things a couple of years back where like if they would have a chip that had a failed core, then they would sell it as like a three core. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> did they really? Yeah. So they had uh, their graphics cards, their Radeon cards. Uh, they would try and make them with like eight cores. And if one core failed, they would throttle it down to six and sell it as a six core card. Or if more than three failed, then they would throttle it down to four cores and sell it that way. And so some people found where they could unlock and get like five cores or seven <laughs> cores. But yeah, that was what they did. That was how they covered the failure rate. And this actually says that the, um, the new woman in charge, Dr. Ann Kelleher, is going to be tasked with developing Intel's seven and five nanometer process nodes. So 
They're, well, they're even getting smaller. There's one thing I know. If they can't get seven to work, they'll yeah, definitely get five to work. Just go for five. Yeah. 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 They're going to be so small soon that you can't. They're like, listen, them. we're already making six and five-eighths. All we need to do is <laughs> cut off that one and five-eighths nanometers, and we're right at five. They should start just selling empty, like, little, you know, clamshell containers. Be like, oh, no, it's in there. You just can't see it. It's, it's like point nanometers. Does it have to be exactly seven nanometers? Because if you're like... You know, close. If you're seven and two thirds nanometers, you're technically still a seven nanometer. I'm sure that there's some actual like engineer out there that's listening to this, just yelling yeah, at he the, hates uh, it. the screen so, right now. <laughs> so I'm sure they have engineering tolerances, but uh, they are tasty also. So, yeah, oh, you should yeah. try them. Intel Delicious. chips. Next. All right, our next article <laughs> is from VentureBeat.com. NVIDIA collaborates with the University of Florida, go Gators, to build 700 petaflop AI supercomputer. And so uh, we're actually, like I said earlier, in, in Gainesville, Florida, uh, right down the road from UF. And so does that mean it's going to be here in Gainesville? Th this so is how Skynet starts. I don't want to be here you anymore. Be, yeah, you don't want to be on ground zero. 700 petaflop AI computer. They're going to use it to solve the traffic problem. I, no, they're not. <laughs> That's an unsolvable problem. No, they're putting the uh, the computer actually at the corner of uh, Newberry Road and Tower Road, right in the <laughs> oh, middle. Oh, that's what all the that construction's for. Yeah, that's, that's what it, it is. Anyway. I learn something new every day, and the other day my, my wife said to me, Don, did, did you know that the founder of NVIDIA graduated from UF? And I said, no, I didn't know that. And she said, yeah, here, read this article. And she sends it to me, and, uh, and sure enough, the founder of NVIDIA, which is a, an engineer whose name has disappeared. <laughs> can't be, can't be worse guy, than Murphy. You know. He's, he's, actually, oh, he's actually a figment of AI's imagination. It was, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I can't find it. But anyhow, whatever the founder's name was, uh, it was a UF graduate. And so he decided to team up, and they're building this supercomputer called the Hypergator, which is kind of cool. Uh, so uh, that's supposed to be 18 times as powerful as the one at the University of Texas at Austin. So Pretty cool uh, being built out. It's got something like 1,120 uh, 1, NVIDIA A100 Tensor Core GPUs. So it's capable of doing quite a bit. Uh, and they're going to be using it to power an AI application suite. So doing artificial intelligence and other things there. So it was really cool. Not, I mean, this is obviously not ripples through the IT community or anything, but it was neat to see this happening right here in our own backyard because you know, sometimes you lose track of who graduated from UF. <laughs> uh, the gentleman's name is Chris Malachowski. Oh, that's it. And if you uh, if you search him, the uh, first image that shows up is him standing next to their corporate plane, showing off his Nvidia tattoo on his arm. So, hmm. well, I'll be. I mean, yes. if I had something that made me that kind of money, I'd probably get a tattoo too. Yeah, I I would think so. That makes a lot. I'd of sense. take the money I made off of and make other people get tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By creating an AI supercomputer right. that convinces them to get tattoos for product brands. I need to get an NVIDIA tattoo. That's My life is incomplete. <laughs> are, are they going to suck up all of the internet around town now? Or am I going to have any? Uh, UF's on the old Lambda rail, so <laughs> they uh, they actually have way more bandwidth than any of us do anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unless, unless you're streaming the World Cup when I was in grad school. <laughs> and it became so bad that there was like mass emails and they started blocking streaming services because it was taking the internet down on campus. Yeah. Wow. yeah. That That's a lot of popular. soccer. Yeah. <laughs> all right, good to know. So we'll, we'll uh, keep an eye on that one as well. And maybe, maybe when it's all done, they'll give I'm, us a little tour. I wonder where, they're, I wonder where they are going to build that, though. You know, oh, they, they did say, I thought in the article, that it was going to be in the, that they're creating a, 
a whole building for it? Probably. Yeah, because be, uh, they already have a couple a department. of they already have a couple of clusters on. Uh, so the CISE, there's like one next to that that I think they have a cluster computer. It's not 700 petaflops. They're building then, the NVIDIA AI Technology Center at UF. There you go. So, yep, they are building. And you mentioned stuff. it's called the Hypergator, but it says they're enhancing the capabilities of UF's existing Hypergator supercomputer. So yeah. that's already something that exists. Yeah, that might be the one that's next to the... It's just an angry bull gator to keep it up. <laughs> yeah, room. he's like, I swear if y'all hit me again with that cat. <laughs> Yeah, I heard they're uh, demolishing the basketball arena and just putting it there. So. so this sounds like an interview we need to line up for a future podcast. Definitely. I bet we can get somebody to talk about it. Possibly that guy whose name I forgot now. Chris <laughs> Malachowski. That's the one. Matamanoski. Mm-hmm. Shana. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next article East is from... Snyder or something like that. I believe, oh, yeah. <laughs> We're not awesome. I, I want that interview. <laughs> Great. Our next article is from science.slash.org. Uh, NIST study finds that masks defeat most facial recognition algorithms. And I can say it definitely defeats the one on my iPhone. Shocker. What did so, I say wrong, so, Justin? So, so. This article made me laugh out loud, which is why I had to put it on the podcast. Um, do you remember back in the 80s when uh, there was the, the, that one senator who would do the Golden Fleece Award every year? And he called out this scientific study on why monkeys liked bananas and they were saying, like, well, who cares why they like bananas? How is this, why, why is this getting government funding? So uh, NIST, which is your U.S. tax dollars at work, if you're a U.S. citizen, if you're not, then think you're lucky stars in this case, because <laughs> NIST did a study and found that if you wear a face mask, facial recognition doesn't work, which I think any iPhone on the planet can prove without having to do a multi-million dollar governmental study. So good to know the government is uh, at work and in our best interest. So un unknown to you, Don, it was actually funded by the Juggalo Nation. <laughs> 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 it wasn't actually a face mask. It was a bunch of face paint. And they're like, see, it's a face mask. NIST oh, partnered with the ICP to find <laughs> yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. So on the flip side, if NIST can't define DevOps, then I, I, I have, <laughs> there's, there, there's iffy on the, the results of, did you know that if you wear a mask, then people can't recognize your face? Yes. I do. It's weird. Did you know water is wet as hell? Yeah. <laughs> did you know that fire will burn you? <laughs> when I saw this, at first I thought it was a joke, because, you know, Slashdot does that sometimes. Oh, yeah. But uh, I was like, wow, if you cover up two-thirds of your identifying features, facial recognition doesn't work. That just, that doesn't even seem like you need to study for that. That's just dumb. <laughs> Mm, yeah, but, you know, where else are you going to get them Juggalo dollars? Yeah, yeah. They were paid in, uh, what was it, Fago? Is it Fago? Fago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was weird. It wasn't funded with actual money. It was just pallets upon pallets of Fago. Makes sense. My favorite part of this article is next to it, and you guys have ad blockers, most of you. I I've got an ad for masks. <laughs> trying to defeat that mask. software here you go like this, in, this one this one over here will do it for you thinking so. about committing crime yeah let us help I, you do feel like a criminal though every time you go in the grocery store every time like, you go in a bank and brandish a fire yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. i tell you what when i'm putting like all those candy bars in my pockets i mean not with the face mask on but i definitely feel like a criminal yeah <laughs> well i I went into a firearm store the other day with a face mask on, and that's a weird feeling and right got there. Shot. <laughs> well, normally, yeah. yeah. Do you need to like? They're like, please put your mask on and walk in with your arms out. To the side. <laughs> it's a show. Uh, that's fun. Yep. 
All right, our next article is over at securityboulevard.com. So this is our, our one security article, at least. Um, well, it looks like the next one is as well. But uh, Garmin users furious as ransomware freezes firm. There's been people just doing U-turns uh, outside <laughs> because they... It, wasn't this like three and days or something? It, and it was odd because that was before the ransomware. It works perfectly now. Yeah, they, they had TomToms. So <laughs> when I first saw this, I thought the GPS units. And I'm like, oh, who uses those anymore anyway? Who cares? But it goes on to mention that there's all the various fitness watches and tracker bands that they, they do. Apparently, Garmin pivoted a bit. They, you know, they still make a lot of money off of their GPS stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of fitness equipment that they do. And a lot of airplanes still rely on Garmin navigational gear for loading their maps. And for a period of about three days, and I think it's actually extended a little longer now, um, but the company was effectively shut down by ransomware. And they, you know, they've got backups, they can recover, they're going through that process right now. They're not, well, supposedly they're not paying the ransom. But what most people don't realize is if you do have backups and you're protected, it still takes time to get in and restore all those machines. And if you haven't patched whatever the flaw is that the, the ransomware exploited, then your machines are just going to get reinfected. So you've got to restore machines, keep them offline, solve the problem, and then bring them back online. And that takes time, which Garmin is going through right now. So a lot of people are upset about that. And it's mostly fitness people, which you kind of need to worry about because they're healthy. Uh, and What's then, wrong with them? you know, most of our parents that still use Garmin GPSs, <laughs> which... Like Peter said, they won't be able to find their way to Garmin to complain. So uh, that's kind of the state of it. But it's just another big red flag warning to everybody. If you haven't planned for how you're going to handle a ransomware attack, then you're really leaving a big gap in your security procedures. They were too busy running. I've had to do a backup before, like from Time Machine. That junk takes a while. So I can only imagine that the the Garmin cloud service is is quite extensive and time-consuming. Yeah, a lot of maps. They've got all the roads. I'll tell you that junk can be. Uh, I did. I had to work with Map Software um, back when I worked at Farm Bureau, and I, it was horrible. It was the worst thing ever. Updates were basically like pulling my own teeth out and then eating them. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And I asked the 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 people that ran. I said, "Why don't we go with the competitor?" They said, "Because there isn't one." Yeah. I said that seems wrong. <laughs> I don't like this anymore. It's not a fun game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's why. I use my phone for maps. <laughs> like everybody else. Like everybody yeah. else. Until you have no cell signal. I print them out from MapQuest before I go anywhere. <laughs> for some reason, all I can think of with this Garmin thing is the, the crypto key for like getting rid of the ran- ransomware is like geocached in a, like a small treasure box. <laughs> <laughs> and the only way you can get to it is using a Garmin wristband, but then it's like a weird cache 22 because you're like, I can't use it. I can't find the key. We are so screwed. Oh, no. And then I'm like, yeah, but you're outside and you're sunburned anyway. So. And, and that, that was like the big issue was you couldn't, like all the data does not get stored locally. It all gets pushed up into their cloud service. And since that cloud service was offline, none of that junk worked. Yeah, all those fitness trackers and stuff effectively become useless. Yeah. Like, did, did your workout even count if you can't post it? To I mean, Instagram? some people thought it didn't. That Here, they, here's the thing. At that point, if I was in an office pool for fitness, I would lie, 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 lie. Like, yeah, I ran 16, 16 miles yeah. yesterday morning. Yeah, I didn't hear work. about this addict because I was just running. And <laughs> I saw you in the break room stuffing two cheese danishes down your throat. <laughs> nah, bro. That was my other twin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He does a lot of stuff. Yeah. That guy is a hungry person. Justin's twin. Yeah, he's a fatty. <laughs> All right. Uh, next, I'm shocked to see that Don picked an article from BuzzFeed. 
It's um, the best source of IT news. Yeah. Yeah. But BuzzFeedNews.com has this article in its science section. A security breach exposed more than one million DNA profiles on a major ge- genealogy database. Uh, first GED match, which is where you go and find other people uh, who have gotten their GED. <laughs> yeah. uh, the DNA database that helped thing. identify the Golden State Killer was hacked. Then email addresses from its users were used in a phishing attack on another leading genealogy site, which I guess we'll just be left to guess which one that is. But um, Match.com. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> well, they do that to make sure that you're not uh, you're related. Cousins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're from the hills, then they make sure Smart. you are cousins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is the, this is the uh, boogeyman story that has been told about biometrics for years, where people say, I only want to use passwords. I don't want to use my fingerprint, because if a hacker steals my fingerprint, I can't change it, right? They've got my fingerprint or my retinal scan. Well, here, this is like the worst case scenario that not only do they have a, a ton of PII about you, they have your DNA. <laughs> like they, I, I don't think they actually stored a full DNA profile, so like they can't necessarily clone you, which would take a lot of work for a hacker. <laughs> but if you think about it, like it is literally the most information somebody could hold on you and you are unable to change any of it. Uh, it really shows the risk. And I, I know I... I personally have made fun of services like 23andMe and said, you got to be a sucker to send your data in on that. But I know numerous people here in the building with me that have done it uh, and even have like their entire families done. Peter, do you have something to tell I was trying to give you an out there, Peter, because I do know other people in the building, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that was me. <laughs> I also, I also uh, did one recently for my dog. Uh, not 23andMe. Are, are you related? No, um, but I needed to find out. What, so I tell you uh, what, that would that'd be a huge red flag. Like you are related. What? <laughs> By the way, fifty percent of my dog is just called mixed breed, which seems like a cop out. Wisdom. <laughs> yeah, much like the face mask article, I'm pretty sure I could have called that one for you yeah. without yeah. a blood sample. Yeah, that's a mutt right there. Hundred percent according to DNA. So, Lowry. Uh, uh, Justin, have you guys done any of this blood test stuff? No, but no. Justin's I, white. I know that. No, so, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure. That I'm some form of Northern European. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Blonde yeah. hair, blue so eyes. I tell you what, Peter, you take half of what you paid to get that done, you give it to me, I'll get you're Northern European. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, the only thing we did find out, my, my mom is 0.01% Ashkenazi Jew, so we were able to oh. like, get her a menorah so she can you know do her thing while we're doing Christmas. You, you know, know what? What percentage? Uh, apparently a large amount of hackers also know that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and her maiden name. Um, we did we did have some interesting discussions prior to the podcast about this because I I just feel weird about like volunteering just any part of my information, but then can you imagine being like the Golden State Killer? Did you see like a picture of him? No. He's like this old decrepit man, it's and they finally caught him. Yeah, and they were like, "We got you." Yeah, and yeah. by the way, you're seventy percent Irish. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. I don't know. I feel weird about that because... Well, the, the conversation kind of went down the road of they were able to, or at least from our understanding of the articles that we've read, is that basically from using DNA profiles on... Com- using companies like like GED Match or whatever it's called, that they were able to extrapolate that this is the person because we have a DNA sample from one of the killings. So they had a partial sample. They had a partial profile. 
So they were able to go, well, this DNA profile and this DNA and do deductive reasoning and figure out it must be this person who is the son of these two people, which have uploaded their information freely. And Justin was like, yeah, but they're figuring out who I am through stuff that I did not give. It, it's hard for me to explain why I feel weird about it. And I've been trying, so since we've had this discussion, I've been trying to figure out a way to like explain why it just seems like, like a private thing. Like, even though it is very much a valid reasoning technique, it just, it, I don't know. <laughs> well, see, I think this is where, and you know, we're an IT podcast, but libertarians, their focus is on smaller government, less government involvement in people. And so here, like, law enforcement as an extension of government is tracking your family history. That 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 does seem weird, right? But you know, doing it for a good reason, trying to solve a crime. But then when the hackers get the data, that's a different story. And I don't know how the hackers would be able to use this maliciously yet. But maybe one day they do clone you, and all yeah, of a sudden I was going to say you, you mentioned need a hand. you mentioned that Justin was eating two uh, two cheese danishes in the other <laughs> room, right. and he said it was brother. a twin. Could have easily been, or or it's a chimera. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what's funny is we found out the hacker group is called the police. Oh, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh shoot! Oh, no. Sting, right. why would you do this? Speaking, <laughs> so I've also been thinking about our previous uh, article about the face mask. I think a more interesting research would be. How has violent crime changed, or any interpersonal crime oh. changed now that we more people are wearing masks? I think that's a more effective use other than, hey, did you know if you cover your face, people can't see who you are? <laughs> uh, but if you upload your DNA what? and we find out, <laughs> we gonna get you. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just <clears throat> now we did discuss there was no violation of anybody's civil rights that we could see. Like everything was done voluntarily. The the DNA that was discovered at one of the crime scenes, obviously. Oh, but but see, the Peter's killer. killer. Yeah, I know like, technically about. the hackers violated their civil yeah, rights. I think but, yeah. they did. Yeah. We're talking so, about gold. So killer. Peter did his entire family. I, just looking at us, I suspect somewhere along the line. <laughs> You're related. Yeah, I'll just We're photocopy related. mine for you, and you can <laughs> yeah. be like, yeah, that's what I am too. Yeah, that's me. That's, oh, it, says, it says Peter. Uh, that's the same. Uh, yeah, but then uh, Peter did his, and then somehow I get trumped up on murder charges because Peter put his DNA in there. Yeah, well, I, I used your name, though. You're a chimera. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you would be trumped up at that point. I think no, I'm going to say trumped up because now I have positive liability. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I, uh, I don't know what took him so long to Actually, get. that was another point. Like, when you upload that, hey, Peter, did you have to verify that, yes, this is my DNA that I'm registering under this name? Oh, I didn't think about that. You send somebody else's blood. I don't think so. Nice. Yeah. That's, so that's, I that's thought a good attack. It's but it's it's like self-confirming, right? So all they have to do is take a DNA sample and they go, oh, it's not him. Yeah, you just poop in a box and, and <laughs> uh, Peter, that's uh, a different attack. Oh, it's a different. That was they're like, where is the 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 swab that came? It's in that bowl. <laughs> yeah. Also, your bag wasn't big enough, so I got a thirteen gallon trash bag. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, this is, hey, this is box you know one these, of two. If it fits, it ships boxes are just the right size. But it doesn't matter whether they're soggy or a biohazard. Now, did you struggle with saying if it fits, it ships? Because in my head, that came out very differently. Yeah. yeah. I, no, luckily it didn't hit me. But now that you, if I had to say it again, it'd be all over. Yeah. That, that uh, should be that, that pooping in a box company. But, but uh, yeah, it is self verifying as far as the DNA. But like, could you have swabbed my mouth and sent it under your name easily? Yeah. I mean, I feel you fill out an online profile. I mean, so it, it, like if they wanted name. to confirm it, as we said, they'll they'll say, "Hey, Justin, this looks like you. We're going to make sure this is the case." But 
Plus, it would be interesting if they're doing that kind of like extrapolating data where they figured out, oh, you're not this person's son. Either there's some weird shenanigans going on where you stole a child you and are told him not the father. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so there would probably be. We also figured out that your daddy was on a milk route at the same time. <laughs> I also sent an opossum's uh, DNA for my dog. Nice. Oh. Yeah. Catching it was 50% mutt. That would, hey. that would be fun just to see what. And, and, and let's eat trash and go get like hit a, by cars. Purebred golden retriever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, is a, that, that is a funny $70 joke. Uh, all right. I want to let you know about a webinar we have coming up. Uh, our next one is Three Things You Need to Know Before Starting Your Own IT Business, where Don Pazette is going to be uh, talking with Tom Lawrence, who we've actually had on the podcast before and uh, and some webinars. He is the, uh, an, I, uh, an MSP owner, and uh, so we'll be looking at that on Thursday, August 6th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. You can head over to itpro.tv slash webinars and sign up for that one. And also, uh, while you're on that internet, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado where you can get a 30% off coupon code and a seven-day free trial um, for your personal membership, or you can request information uh, for a business plan where you can find out uh, all the cool features available to businesses like the Pro Portal, and you can get a demo of that. So that's all at go.itpro.tv slash technado. And you're going to want to sign up even just for a free account before uh, the end of this week, right? Right, Justin? Is that when uh, Spin It to Win It's happening? Yeah, end of this week. Yeah, so we're going to have uh, uh, Lee McWhorter, who we had on a I mean, that's what Val ago. told me, so I'm just yeah, telling right. you. Take everything Val says with a grain of salt is all I know. But, <laughs> uh, apparently this week we are doing Spin It to Win It, which is our kind of uh, wheel-based uh, word guess. It's hangman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hangman with... With prizes. With points and not money. And no, Just so we're clear, there's no, no money involved. Yeah. Very, very or is there? Am I supposed to get paid extra yeah. for that? Do you remember the old Wheel of Fortune when they had the showcase at the end? And the yes. Pick yeah, you do stuff? like shopping. That yeah. was the best part. I want the giant ceramic dog. Yeah. Always. Yeah, yeah, I need that lazy that. boy recliner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd be like, can I just get the cash, please? Can like a gift card? Uh, anyway, so uh, go ahead and check that out. Uh, go to go.itpro.tv slash technado, and there you can find out all about signing up, and then you can watch that. It is this Friday um, at uh, 2 o'clock. So check that out. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much uh, to Ben for joining us today again, and uh, thank you, all of you, for that riveting uh, discussion there. Riveting. Shut up. Get <laughs> <laughs> right. on with it, Peter. And with that, let's uh, let's end it. We'll see you guys next time on Technator with Don Pizzette.